Welcome, everyone, to Politics Express, the Postwriters Politics Podcast. I am your host, the Postwriters Politics Editor, Lars Emerson. This episode, we're talking about the man who has dominated the political discussion for the better part of a decade, Donald Trump. Is he the presumptive Republican nominee? How did he get there? And what does he have to do now? With me this week is our editor-in-chief, Michael Levito. Welcome, Mike. You ready to talk about this guy? <laughs> I am, because, you know, I, I've picked up some freelance work recently, and um, it, it's actually with the Republican Party. And they asked me, you know, <laughs> what can we do to, uh, to help Trump win the election? I said, well, I think if you got all of your friends at Fox News and OAN, those kinds of places, and you made them talk about how much they hate Taylor Swift probably the most popular pop star in the in the world and then also her association with the nfl probably the most famous popular sport in america i think i think he'll win if you do that well i'm sorry to hear that the post writer <laughs> is not paying your bills so you had to go work for the uh republican party uh listeners please give us money mike's desperate um well mike it's great to have you our goal of this episode is threefold first should we consider the Trump the presumptive nominee at this point in January, early February of 2024? Second, how did we get to this point where Republicans are set to nominate the same man in three consecutive presidential elections? A feat, I mean, that's crazy. It has not happened in our lifetime. Uh, and third, how does Trump stick this landing? Can he pull off a Grover Cleveland and return for a non-consecutive presidential term? If so, what does that path to victory look like? So, if you like hearing about Nikki Haley, potential running mates for Trump, how Trump may fare against President Joe Biden, the state of the modern Republican Party, and why Trump is so unique, uh, stay tuned. <laughs> Let's start, Mike. Let's start with, is Trump the presumptive nominee? You tell us. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, he is, uh, you know, there's really only two serious candidates for the Republican nomination right now, it is of course Donald Trump, and then his his former ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, who also served as governor of South Carolina. Um, I, I I feel like Haley's only real chance. I'm maybe preempting your questions a little bit here. Um, the, the I I guess I'll just keep it at this. I don't see a way that Haley wins any primary. I, I don't see it happening at all and if that's the case then she will almost certainly not be the nominee um which means that donald trump would instead yeah it's i it's funny i remember when i worked in more official journalistic capacities there was this like big tension about when we would call biden this was back in 2020 the presumptive nominee and like it reached a point where it's basically like as soon as everyone else has dropped out is that's when you call them presumptive um so I, I can't even remember when that is for Biden, but roughly early April, end of March, because Bernie kind of like is like, eh, I'll stop campaigning. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. they did like one more debate in March, I think, like, yeah, in that kind of like first week or two of COVID. Yeah. And then the outlet wouldn't let us call Biden like the nominee until August or September after the convention, which was honestly kind of frustrating because it's like come on <laughs> like, yeah I mean, but things, I, things can happen between you know yes that is my way of of uh leading into that question could not something still happen that makes trump not the presumptive nominee i i would say nothing that would not be an an act of god uh that's maybe a crass way to phrase it but like i think okay i mean you're the law student my understanding <laughs> is that like he is not going to be convicted of his crimes before the convention, right? I just don't think that timeline works, mm. right? Anything that he's been accused of, my assumption is that, that those trials will not happen before the convention, and even if they do, they will not have concluded before then. Mm. Again, I am not a lawyer. I probably should have looked this up before we got on, got on the air, but I'm just skeptical that that's going to happen. I don't even know, like, jury selection for these trials, and maybe I'm just, like, kind of... Uh, overestimating how long they actually take but anyway so yes could he hypothetically go to jail 
I suppose, unlikely. Um, but even if he does, there's literally no law that says he cannot run for president if he, if that's still the case. Um, Eugene V. Debs famously did it as a socialist candidate in the early 20th century. Um, and But yes, could he die? Could he become incapacitated? Yes, technically he could. Does it seem very likely that that will happen? Not particularly, no. Like I said, I think it will require an like an extraordinary circumstance that like seriously impacts trump's uh, ability to traverse the country or his health like i, I don't see an, a sudden rebellion within the republican party to sort of like cast him off and find creative ways to like revolt at the convention yeah i mean i his the legal Barring, you know, an act of God uh, or an act of a madman, perhaps, um, the legal di- discussion is probably the most relevant one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a number of these trials are set for, I think, one or two of them are supposed to start in March. I know that I think the Bragg trial in New York is one of them. But you, I mean, like, the whole Trump legal MO here is just like delay, delay, delay. And mm-hmm. like you said, until after the convention. Um, or after the election, ideally. Um, I think that there is a decent chance that uh, the January 6th case could go to trial before the convention. Um, uh, But like you said, they'll just keep delaying, and who knows how long that trial could go. I mean, it's not going to go for over a month, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I See, I don't know that much about trials. Um, I guess I think I'm mentally just always thinking about the O.J. Simpson trial, which famously took a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, my guess is they probably don't all take that long. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I guess I. It took us so long to get to this point. I guess I'm just not uh, confident that it would that it would be resolved quickly. But again, I'm not a lawyer. I know that they have a lot of delay tactics going on. So who knows? Maybe maybe it will. Yeah, so that, so but, that case, it, well, it's currently stayed because they're pending kind of a decision from the Supreme Court. Uh, right. And that's, otherwise it's supposed to take place in March. I do kind of think that with the trials, I think, um, I sort of think people underrate the capacity to which they will like hit a point where it's like, oh, and now they're like all going <laughs> or like, oh, and now it's like, it's happening. Like trials just right, kind of right. like happen and consume things and they just sort of like sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to like uh, the Derek Chauvin trial I kind of remember like I was like oh yeah I knew he was being prosecuted for a long right. time but then it was like oh and the jury has its verdict and I was like oh I completely forgot that that was actively going on mm-hmm. um, I mean so you invoked that he could run I mean trial and sentencing are also two completely different things but you right, invoked yeah. that he could run for president from prison would it stop him from being the pre- the presumptive nominee um i see that's i i i just don't it, it's it's funny it, i feel like it's almost act asking me so, like <laughs> are you tempting fate you're like oh no i hope trump's <laughs> not imprisoned <laughs> no i'm not so i i assume it's i think it's just really hard to tell because and i think this gets to i think a, a question you asked later on which is kind of how did we get here which is that it is very obvious that there is a portion of the republican party that although they have that that does not want donald trump to be the nominee right and really just want, hopes that he goes away so they can um go back to kind of the way things were or the way they think things they, they think they should be however these same people have also not expressed that publicly very often and have always fallen in line behind Trump whenever they felt like they have had to. And so I think the big question is, if he does go to jail or is convicted, do the Mitch McConnells of the world, for instance, he's the one I think of um, the most, because I think you know he, he would be the one who I think would have the largest voice, is like, does he say something along the lines of like this is clearly an untenable situation we have to find an alternative nominee um or does he do what he's been doing for the majority of the trump era quote unquote um 
and decide, well, because he is the party's leader, nom- nominative leader, like, I have to support him so that he gets elected and then he lets me do, he lets me work on the issues that I care about that he doesn't care about, and that's fine. Um, hmm. I mean, I, the past eight years have made me cynical enough that I assume the second thing is going to happen, but, you know, we, we'd be, it'd be literally an unprecedented situation. The other thing I would wonder is, like, assuming he does at this point win all of the delegates through a primary process and does go to jail like does he then and then the republicans decide they do want to move on that just screams like a lawsuit to me and i don't really see again i am not a a lawyer i'm not a judge but like the rules seem to say that whoever wins the delegates gets to be the nominee yeah my assume my assumption is that there's no clause in there saying that you can't do it if you're in jail so um i just it just it just seems like like i said even if he does get convicted do i think that tanks his chances in the general yeah probably um but <laughs> i i just I, it just seems like it'd be very difficult for them to wriggle their way out of this one um yeah no i i think <laughs> i i think that's i think that's fair i um i mean we've sort of answered the key question if he is the presumptive nominee <laughs> And even if he's convicted of a serious crime and faces prison time, uh, he cannot be stopped. At least up into up until the Republican convention, you think it all just proceeds full steam ahead. Um, yeah, I guess I sort of agree. Do you I, I've been so there's this thought that I've kind of had because I've been paying a little bit more attention apparently than the average new hampshireite to the dean phillips campaign for president uh against joe biden in the democratic primary and there's this like thought that lingers in the back of my mind and i guess i also have it with haley where it's like do you think part of them is like part of their strategy is what if the guy keels over and like we are two weeks from the convention and I'm the only one with a delegate, <laughs> like a single <laughs> delegate. Like, doesn't it just have to come to me? And I do like, I don't know, for some reason, that very morbid thought has been in the back of my mind, mostly about the Phillips campaign, because I'm like, oh, my God, please tell me they wouldn't pick Dean Phillips. And I don't think they would. Like, I do think there is some infrastructure there that would, like, do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Don't you wonder that sort of thing? <laughs> I do. Yeah. And, and I, I think you're right. I think there is a... Um, you know, it's just kind of like an insurance policy for that particular candidate to be like, well, you know, I would have kind of the strongest argument to, especially I think for Haley, because it's not like, because I think if Joe Biden were to, to pass away, one would think that they would try to nominate Kamala Harris because she would then become president and they would want to nominate the incumbent president. Yeah. Um, whether or not that'd be a wise decision is another discussion completely. Um, but with Trump, like, the thing is, like, he doesn't have a... I mean, I guess... I, it, it'd be interesting, right? Because if he if he were to name a nominee before the convention... Or, uh, like, a, a running mate before the convention, would then wouldn't they say, well, then we'll just give it to whoever the, 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 the running mate is? Yeah. Or would they say, well, his delegates are now all unbound, so after the first ballot or whatever, you're free to go and, and, and do whatever you want, and maybe Haley prevails you know I, I think that makes sense and i i would imagine that, like I, I think the argument haley is making is basically we don't know what's going to happen so you know that's why she's on the race right you know chaos falls on everywhere she she's she's fond of saying right and i think the idea is that this chaos will eventually culminate into something that would leave me with your only option left <laughs> uh yeah yeah, I guess we'll we'll um, we'll see. We'll get there. <laughs> um, how uh, let's let's we'll talk about the running mates thing in a bit. But I, I guess I I'm just kind of curious. Uh, how did we get to this point? I mean, this is like, like this is an incredibly strange situation that we find ourselves in. Like, I th- I I think, um, and we're both post-war guys, as you know. It's definitely not happened post-war. I th- think that uh, William Jennings Bryant is the last time that someone was nominated three times consecutively. I know he was nominated at least twice consecutively. Okay. 
I'm trying to think. He would have lost in 1896, 1900. Other than FDR, I should say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I don't think even Bryant was consecutive. Because, yeah, he, he it was three times, but he didn't run in 1904. That was uh, Alton Yes, you're, you're right. It was 96, 1900, and 1908. Yes. 1896. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, so, what? Is Grover Cleveland the only example of this outside of roosevelt yeah i guess so um that yeah, i can think of that's that's certainly very weird <laughs> yeah i'd say so um <laughs> what is well, it that grover cleveland and donald trump have in common <laughs> um i i was gonna say something very mean but like their bmi maybe just based on pictures i've seen um <laughs> hey trump's uh, slimming down I guess. Um, I, um, they're both born in New York, I guess, too. Um, well, how did we get here? I, isn't that kind of the question that political science and reporting has been trying to answer for the past eight years? Um, like, like, how do we get here as in how do we get, how is he, how do we get here at this particular moment where he seems like he's going to get the nomination? Or how do we get here where Donald Trump is a major political figure in the United States? Like, which question do you want to answer? I, th- I think it's I think it's a mix between those. I, th- I think I'm just curious. And I spend time thinking about how did we get to this point where the man loses a presidential election. Mm-hmm. He then um, he loses states that Republicans have not lost in almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona, Georgia comes close to losing like Texas, stuff like that. Uh, his candidates perform terribly in the midterm. Then the following midterm, the man has a. a <laughs> Swarm of supporters storm the Capitol. He's impeached twice. He faces four criminal convictions. And yet he's now, as we've said, the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party. How did we get like like four years ago? Like I would I wouldn't have I'm not ignorant enough to think, oh, Republicans will like hate him come three years from now. But I was like, no, there's like a pretty good chance he doesn't even run again. And there's a pretty good chance that even if he ran like America moves on and like we don't want to elect another loser. Um, I think that's half the answer is he's convinced maybe a third of Americans that he isn't a loser. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, be honest. Four years or three and a half years ago, did you think this guy was going to be, like, the nominee again or even run again? Uh, I was pretty sure he wasn't going to run, but I think I felt if he did run, he would, would be the nominee. was kind that's, of where I came down on it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, which is maybe a cop out, but um, that's how I felt. I so yeah, no. I mean, I think you're right. Obviously, like there's a lot of people who think that he didn't actually lose. So um, why would they then think that he shouldn't run again? Um, and I so I think it's kind of two things going on here. One is that I think after you know 2016 was such a shock um, that I think a lot of other Republicans kind of looked around and they said, well. This guy did what we've been trying to do for a long time. Clearly, he knows something we don't. So we're going to hitch our wagon to him and see where it leads us. Um, And, yeah, it's led them to kind of solidifying support in Ohio and Florida. But that's come at the expense of, like, you know, Arizona and Georgia, right? Um, And some of those gains in kind of like the upper Midwest have, like, not been as, I think, total as as people thought. and so I think there is still this kind of spell that he has where it's like, well, he, you know, he won, right? He, he did win in 2016. So, you know, and he did kind of flip all these sort of like, you know, constituencies that voted for Obama. So, you know, he did it once. Who's to say he can't do it again? Um, I think they just view it as their most likely option to win again. Um, and I, I think they're also held hostage a bit to the fact that they know if they criticize him openly they will probably lose their primary, right? Um, It's eight of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach him in the House um, are no longer in Congress, either because they retired, lost their primary. And in fact, the only two who are still there did so because they're in states with top two primaries, right? Mm. Um, Mitt Romney is retiring, um, you know, there's just like a whole 
host of like um the, the idea is that basically it, trump is and so what, what i think is like you talked about like it being unique and what i think is unique is that like i don't know that we've ever really had sort of like a leader of the non-presidential party like this if you know what i mean in the sense that it's like between like 2017 and 2021 or i guess between trump's election and biden's nomination like who was the leader of the democratic party between trump's election and biden's nomination I guess Nancy Pelosi, like I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. And you like between between Obama's reelection and Trump's nomination, who was the leader of the Republican Party? Probably like Mitch McConnell or something like that, right? Paul like, Ryan, yeah. <laughs> like this is kind of the only time I feel like in recent history we've had somebody who was like considered the leader of their respective party even when they weren't in like office, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was having this thought that's a similar thought with like the because Trump is in the last week he's done this uh, <laughs> he's pissed McConnell off a little I think um, with like his he's kind of dictating like hey don't compromise with Democrats on immigration because I want to run against it and like yeah. some Republicans have been like that's that's a very bad faith thing of you to say <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I was just like that is that is such a wild like can you imagine if Hillary Clinton called Democrats in like 2019 and was like hey don't like shut the government down or like don't give trump covid aid because Mm -hmm. biden wants to be the like i like i don't know it'd be like massively publicized but whatever continue your thought (laughs) no i mean i I think that that was like mostly my thought is that it's like he i think we've kind of talked about this before where it's like he he kind of operates the republicans like like boss tweed now like he's just kind of like a political boss and um I think this is like a holy like thing we haven't experienced in recent years, and and because he's considered the leader of the party, it's costly politically for a Republican to go against him, and it makes you know the base of the Republican Party want him to be the nominee again. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, I don't. Do you? I I think I'll save my like next question for the very end and i guess i'll just go straight to like the uh <laughs> the final section of uh how does trump stick this landing we you like you said you've been hired by the republican party <laughs> to to advise them on uh donald trump wants your advice mike yeah. um and uh does it, so my first question is like does he need to do anything until he has the nom effectively locked up? I think we both kind of said no, because that's sort of already happened. Right, right. Um, but I guess before the convention, um, what does he need to do, to do sans running mate? We'll talk about that after. Um, so th- this is to sew up the nomination or to, to, to win the general election? Either. Well, I, it's funny because I... Uh, um, I mean, outside of demonized Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, of course. I um, <laughs> it's such a it, it's just I think part of it's my brain just breaking at the idea of like giving advice to this person who seems allergic to advice. But um, <laughs> I I think that so I, I think probably the, the the two issues that are going worse for Biden right now are the economy and the border, right? And we can talk kind of all day about why about whether the economy is as bad as people think it is, but the perception that the economy is bad. Um, and kind of the same thing with the border. We can talk about how bad it actually is, but the perception is that it's bad. And if you're Trump, you can say, well, the economy was good uh, while I was president until March of 2020 um, and, and claim that you did enough kind of on, on the border, right? Um, and then I think you need to kind of triangulate on foreign policy a bit too because... You know, it, it's it's been kind of a rocky road. Not none that I think is Biden's fault necessarily either, but like outside maybe the Afghanistan withdrawal. But it's like, you know, there are tensions in the Red Sea. You know, tensions in Yemen, which is um, did I say Red Sea? Did I mean Red Sea? Is that what I meant? You did, and yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I get all the seas confused. Um, but tensions in the Red Sea. You know, uh, this drone strike that just happened in Jordan. Of course, you have the Israel-Hamas war. The thing is, though, I don't know what position Donald Trump is going to... Donald Trump, outside of withdrawing aid from Ukraine, I don't know what positions he could really take on those issues, right? 
Yeah. Like, because he... It's funny because there is, I think, this this line that's pushed by a lot of Republicans, which is that, like, well, there were no new wars under Trump. Trump was a peacetime president. He brought peace to the Middle East, so the Abraham Accords, even though Bahrain has now torn their portion of it up, um, and all of this stuff. And yet, he I remember him also saying his speech where it's like, he said, he's like, well, we should be spending money on killing terrorists instead of doing X, Y, Z. So it's like, are you the guy who wants to kill more terrorists, the guy who wants peace? Because it's like, those aren't really kind of like, those don't really go together, necessarily. Um, so... I, I think that it, it's kind of like a tricky highway act. He has to play on foreign policy, but I guess it's just so weird because it seems like his message is that elect me and I will take revenge on the Democrats. But if you're somebody who voted for Biden, do you even want him to do that? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just like, a, it's just such a strange... Like I said, I think economy and the border are the two, will be his two best issues. Um, and so I guess you should keep hammering that. But um, I think it's going to be... And, and also maybe, you know, uh, support the idea of a third party getting into the race, because that could help you too. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So... I, I think I mostly agree. I think he could probably ignore foreign policy. I don't think his base really cares. Um, yeah. uh, something so something interesting that did happen in the last week as well is the, the media started to talk about him a bit more presumptively as the nominee, like we said. Um, and a member of, I don't even remember, some board in the RNC like put forward a resolution that's like, hey, we should just declare him the presumptive nominee and like cancel some of these remaining primaries. Mm-hmm. And then Trump came out and said, no, you should let me win all of these primaries. Cause I'm winning anyway. Um, I thought that was <laughs> uncharacteristically like very astute of him. <laughs> uh, yes. that was a good move. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think seeing through the primary to the end, like he doesn't have to, I mean, as his victory in Iowa showed, like he wasn't in Iowa a lot. He didn't have to no. do very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think stuff like that where he continues to kind of adhere to a norm and not act all like hoity-toity about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it just helps him. Um, I, th- I mean, it's unfortunate. I do think like if an immigration deal does not happen, I think it helps Donald Trump. Yeah, um, I think that there's an opening for the Biden campaign and the Democrats to be like, hey, <laughs> uh, we were going to give them all these things and then they withdrew in bad faith. Like it's a, you'd have to hit that argument in a less technical well, way. It's, it's, it's the do nothing Congress argument that Harry S. Truman had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you could just kind of, I think you could almost just frame it as being like, um, you know, X amount of bills that would have funded board security. None of them passed because of the Republicans. Right. Yeah. I don't know that your median voter is, going to listen to a democratic talking point on the republican congress to begin with but i i don't know i think the immigration issue does help trump i think if you're um the economy i'm like kind of mixed because consumer and like american sentiment has started to come around that the economy is actually like fine Mm -hmm. um and trump had this very interesting very interesting truth social post I guess, uh, about it, where he was like, no, if you look at the stock market now, the stock, because the stock market is now higher under Biden than at any point under Trump and all of that and GDP and all that. And he's like, well, if you look at the stock market now, it's higher because they expect I'm going to win. So they're already (laughs) forward rating, you know, they think the economy is going to get even better. And I was like, that is so stupid. It's actually brilliant. Like, God damn it, dude. He's managed to convince, like, he's managed to convince himself or, you know, lie to him, lie to his followers that, that that makes sense. And it almost does. I mean, like, that is kind of how stocks do, like, stocks will drop a little lower if they expect the Fed to down, to, like, raise rates 10 
10 months from now, you know, um, how, like, I guess this goes to like our last thing. It's like, this is just a, what is it about this guy? Very weird situation we find ourselves in. He's just managed to like make every issue a winning issue for him, even though it has nothing to do with him. Well, yeah, it, it's because, <laughs> because back, going back to your like original questions, like he's, his appeal is that he's kind of broken all the rules and like the biggest rule he's broken is like, he's never conceding defeat, right? Whether it's the election or like an issue, he's never going to say I was wrong or we have to do this or whatever. Right. It's he's convinced a bunch of people that he's right about everything. He will make everything okay. And you know, there's a good chunk of the American voting public who believed him on it. Right. And so it's, it's, it's just like, it is such like a, um, it's just like a sales tactic basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's been very, it's just been like a, it's just it's it's all it's so simple it's almost like <laughs> incredible in a way right it is um well presumably before the nomination and some would say that that he's actually including him <laughs> that he's actually already made his decision hmm. uh but you know laser focused adherence to some of uh the episodes that you and i and, and the work that we've done mike uh you'll you'll know we've you know you, they know that we do a lot of writing and commenting on vice presidential picks so we did an episode here uh several months ago debuting the vice presidential power index for the republican candidates namely trump um let's let's talk about his potential running mates just briefly like whose stock is up whose stock is down what lingering factors are out there i guess we'll start um you're once again you're advising trump what (laughs) what do you want him to know who do you want him to like Go up, and then we'll go into what we think he'll actually do. <laughs> so, if I'm advising him on picking a running mate, what would, uh, would I advise Yes, him on? and the um, correct answer is whoever is number one on our power index. <laughs> yeah, we believe it's Joni Ernst right now. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so I tell him to pick Joni Ernst. Yeah, no, I think I think I would encourage him just to pick as normal a person as possible, um, <laughs> because he's float. I mean, like I think there's there's some people in the days who who want like Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, Ooh. you know, uh, so there's like that threat. Apparently, like RFK Jr. has alleged that the Trump campaign has approached him about being his running mate. Yeah, I saw that. Um, you know, it, I, if there's one person who I trust less than Donald Trump, to be honest about what has happened, is probably RFK Jr. Um, uh, that I do kind of think that would like the Biden campaign is probably like please <laughs> it just like yeah. takes care of two birds in one stone. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. Well, but it's funny because right. It, so is that because I almost then wonder if it's like do the Trump people have polling or it's like oh RFK is actually pulling from us. Yeah. So if we like you know what I mean, it's like there's a lot of interesting kind of like um, strategy there. But no, like I would I would just say like don't overthink it. Right. Like you're not gonna whoever you pick is probably not going to if if whoever you pick. Like, it's more likely something goes wrong if you're picked than something goes, like, then they help you win, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, don't do RFK Jr. Don't do Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, this sort of Sebastian Gorka suggestion that it will be a former politician from New York who knows how to get things done. <laughs> do not pick George Santos, who I don't think is eligible. Um, do not pick Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> um, and also, don't pick Lee Zeldin. That's thinking about it way too hard. Um, mm. So, like... And I understand the, the philosophy behind it, but, like, nobody outside of New York knows who he is. Why is George Santos not eligible? I believe he was born in Brazil. But isn't he an American citizen? Yeah. Or is that one of those things we don't know? <laughs> I, I mean, pro- probably. Well, I think he's an American citizen. Um, I don't know. I, oh, I just yeah. Know I s- I, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we even know what his birthplace actually was, but I know that he spent lots of time in Brazil. Anyway. Interesting. Um, but, but so I, I would say, like, Joni Ernst, Christy Nome, Tim Scott, probably want them to either be a minority or a woman, I think is probably um, the idea. So I think those three are kind of, like, what I would suggest him to do. Yeah, I like what you said about the – so, like – we, we talked a lot on the running mates podcast like the do no harm principle. That's yeah. kind of like the number one rule of VP picks. Um, I do think like, like, I mean, like honestly looking at the power index, I think Joni Ernst is like a great pick. I, I do think you want someone who's like pretty inoffensive, uh, 
a woman, I think, could not hurt Donald Trump. Um, I think someone like Christy Nome or Marsha Blackburn may be like a little too... I think he wants something more boring. Yeah. Um, like Kim Reynolds, I think, would have been a great pick for him that he will never pick. <laughs> uh, like she I, endorsed Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Um, a governor's not a bad idea. I don't know. Tim Scott's not a bad idea. There are some. There are some more normal people out there. Um, I'm not particularly. I don't know. I'm not particularly optimistic. He's going to pick a normal person. Um, he can listen to our advice all he wants. Donald, give us a give us a call. Reach out to us. We'll give you some great advice on who your running mate should be. If you want to beat Joe Biden, you know we play both sides here. Yeah. Um, but like Red I don't state, know. Blue state money's green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, be honest. Uh, <laughs> who like, like low key, he might pick someone pretty weird. <laughs> oh yeah, it's certainly <laughs> within the realm of possibility. Because it's funny, right? Because because you think, oh, Mike. Pen-, I mean, like, is Mike Pence weird by Republican standards? No. Um, but uh, you know, he had, he had to pick somebody like Mike Pence because not the entire party wasn't sold on him yet. Now that they're so afraid to say that they're not sold on him, like I think he has a lot more free reign to pick who he wants. Yeah. Um, I do think though he will pick Tim Scott. I, really? I, I, I yeah. I ultimately, you know, Tim Scott was there with him in New Hampshire. Tim Scott, I think, flipped pretty quickly into endorsing him. I think he will end up picking Tim Scott. Interesting. I kind of think he won't. I think the reason I think he'll pick someone a little more crazy is I think he's more nervous about a Mike Pence type. He doesn't want someone who's kind of been around a while and has like this, I care about the constitution vibe about him. Um, Cause we all know how that worked out for Mike Pence. True, true. Um, I don't know. Like that, that's kind of been lingering in my mind is I kind of think he'll go for someone who he'll like, or maybe he asked him, Scott, he was like, Hey, if something happens, can I count on you to like have the courage <laughs> And maybe Tim Scott was like, oh, absolutely. But in the back of his mind, he's like, well, no, absolutely not. Also, like, what are you going to do? Run for a third term? Hmm. Um, I just feel like Trump wants someone like more like him than Mike Pence. And I don't know that Tim Scott is a lot like Donald Trump. No, I don't think he is <laughs> at all. I think um, I think Tim Scott is an Eagle Scout compared to Donald Trump. Not that most people aren't, but. Um, do you have an idea though of like who that who that person would be? I I mean I think Elise Stefanik is someone whose stock I've been watching for a while. She she clearly wants the job or a job like it. Um, she's just like more shameless than Tim Scott, and I think I think she has a better. I think Tim Scott he has like he. He has everything you'd want to see in like a Republican presidential candidate, but he doesn't like stick. Um, like his talking points almost appeal more to like kind of moderates or Democrats. Whereas I think at least Stefanik is someone who could like genuinely run for president someday. Um, like I, I think if there was like a primary between Stefanik and Tim Scott, Stefanik would win like the presidential nomination. Hmm. Um, she's just a bit more of a firebrand and like a shameless promoter <laughs> yes she um, has has taken to calling them the january 6 hostages yeah tim scott didn't do that no um so i don't know i do i do think um I, a lot of people are saying it but stefanik's probably if i were to make a guess tonight it would be her scott's not far down but yeah that's not yeah. a bad choice i um <laughs> I don't know. I, I do just wonder if. Um, I'm always like I, reticent to pick like people who are like very involved in like uh, important like house roles. Um, yeah. Because then never, I feel like that never really happens. But I. Yeah. No. It could de- definitely happen. She's certainly sufficiently loyal. You know who it will not be. Who? Nikki Haley. <laughs> no. No. Definitely not. Uh. Yeah. Um, do you think the running mate matters at all for the general election? Oh, it only matters if it's bad. Like it, it only it only matters if it's hmm. someone who is going to actively harm his campaign. Um, so you don't think he can gain any upper hand by picking someone like Tim Scott or Nick, I mean, even Nikki Haley? 
I think it's marginal, I guess, right? Um, I, I think that does having Tim Scott on your ballot like ostensibly help you um, with black voters? Probably. Does it also maybe help you with like some like more, you know, um, sort of like anti-Trump Republicans who think that Tim Scott's a swell guy? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I but like and like you know and it's a thing too like right speaking of like you know uh him like and biden being old like you know there maybe there is like I, I think a lot of what you'll see is whoever gets picked will be like well you know donald trump is an older guy who's in kind of you know so so health um <laughs> this is what it. the running mate's gonna say <laughs> yeah no no, no 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 they're not gonna say it. the implication in the media yeah um will be you know like so you have to consider this person is one one of Donald Trump's heartbeats away from the presidency if he <laughs> win re-election, right? And that may also cause some, you know, thinking. So, yeah, yes, I guess my point is, like, I think it's a marginal benefit at best. I don't, I don't see it changing the race. Yeah. Unless I said it, it is, like, an absolutely abysmal, unless he picks Rudy Giuliani. Hey, former former very successful politician from yeah. New York. <laughs> also, possibly a resident of Florida now, so that may actually not be possible. But yeah, <laughs> he can move. He can pull a Dick Cheney and just move again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think, uh, ninety nine percent of the things a running mate can do just hurt. So you want to pick someone who doesn't hurt. But mm-hmm. I maybe I think there's a more positive case for Tim Scott than someone like just a woman i don't know right yeah um but no i I think donald trump is frankly still pretty toxic at the top of the ticket even if he's bullied by someone less toxic uh so let's talk about that general election uh what is the path to a trump victory in november (laughs) and uh yeah what, what what how does trump win this election um i know how but do you know how <laughs> i guess is the, so we've already talked about kind of like the issues you should focus on do you kind of mean more of like the who he needs to win like at the ballot box yeah, uh yeah or if there's anything any like does he like not do any debates does he what is like how does he strategically kind of think this through i well i that's i i it's funny so the debates thing is interesting because you have this as like another question. Yeah. Um, I think it actually. I think. I I think he will have to think long and hard about how high the ceiling of a debate is and how low the floor is. Do you know what I mean? Because. I think that there's a universe in which if he comes out at the debate and seems like relatively normal and Joe Biden seems like Joe Biden, like I think there is a universe in which he like wins at least like two debates. Um, I also think that his instinct is to do what he did in the first debate in 2020, which is to try and completely bulldoze Biden and it backfires on him because he looks like a maniac. (laughs) Um, So, but I think I, I, I would debate if I were him. I, I think, yeah, I think I would. Like, because I, I don't know what the argument against it is. Do you have a convincing one? I mean, the argument I have against it is also kind of my case for Biden, where it's like, if you the longer you keep Donald Trump on screen, the more his favorability goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's so interesting, <laughs> right? Like, just like the idea that it's like, well... <laughs> How are you going to win this election? We're going to keep you as far away from people as possible. Like, we're going to minimize your exposure on television as much as possible. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you're at that point, you're already not doing too hot, right? Yeah, I mean, the Biden campaign wants to draw a contrast, right? They want it to not be a referendum election, and they want it to be mm-hmm. a... You're you're picking the the devil you know yeah. better. Well, they do, uh, they do want to be a referendum election. They just want to be a referendum on Trump. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a hard thing to do if you're an incumbent, but I think Trump makes it easier than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. I also just, like, Trump has thinner skin than Biden. Biden can just kind of sit back like he did in the original debates and just kind of like, come on, man. And Trump just, like, it starts talking about, like, windmills and something crazy about birds. Like, who knows? Um, 
I don't know if I would advise Trump to debate, frankly. I think I may differ from you on that. I think, like, if I were giving Donald Trump earnest advice, I'd be like, no, don't do it. Interesting. You have nothing I, to win. At, at this point, like, I, I do think it is somewhat unlikely that he will. But it is worth noting that, like, so the whole big thing is that the Republicans, they, they pulled out of the, what's the name for it? The, um, the like, Commission on Presidential Debates. Yeah, yeah they pulled yeah. out of that, and candidates had to sign a pledge saying they would not participate in any of their debates. The only candidate who didn't sign it was Donald Trump. So um, that's not going to be a barrier to it. And I think, it's funny because I think he wants to debate. I don't think his people want him to debate, but I think he wants to debate because he thinks he's a great debater. And you just want to make Donald Trump happy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a... Well, I'll, I guess I'll talk about... So the, the path to victory, the way I see it, uh, I think there are probably realistically six or seven swing states that the Trump campaign will and is targeting. Uh, in no particular order, I think they go... Nevada, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, and maybe North Carolina. <laughs> um, I think those are the seven states in which you spend your time. I think your most likely lane of victory runs through Arizona and Georgia and picks off uh Assuming you get North Carolina and just picks off one other state that's not Nevada, because Nevada won't get you there. Yeah. Um, am I leaving something out? Am I being too conservative, too generous? No, I, I think you're right. I think because I was thinking, I don't think they're like none of the Trump Biden states, I think, are off the board, right? Um, and I think you're right about Nevada. Um, and I guess that was the only non-Trump state you named there. Um, no, no, I, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I think that definitely makes sense. <laughs> are, I don't are there, like, I don't know. Are there any, I mean, the, the polls are very strange. We've talked about those in other yeah. forums and on other, on other episodes. Um, mm-hmm. the, the things, I mean, the, there are things that, unite certainly wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania they are they are similar in many regards they're all kind of midwestern or quasi midwestern states with a lot of white white voters uh or less educated voters which is what you'd want if you're trump and yet he's polling worse in those states than he is in states like uh, georgia or arizona right um where in nevada you don't have a lot of educated voters either so maybe that makes some sense it's just very strange to me. Like you would assume that he would be polling better in Michigan or worse in Michigan than he is in Nevada, but the opposite is true. Yes. Right, yeah. The opposite is true. <laughs> right, exactly. Which is kind of that was the New York Times Santa poll, right? Where he yeah. it had him losing Wisconsin but winning Nevada, which Yeah. Um feels wrong <laughs> yeah. um, certainly possible, but it, you know, like it is kind of like yeah, like I said, the polling's been weird. I, it's like I'm looking at the map right now. Maybe, maybe you want to say Minnesota. Like he could also possibly win, but it that also feels like a little unlikely. And then like I would have said New Hampshire until that one poll during the primary came out, which showed that 52 percent. Yeah. Like he was like he like Biden was already over 50 percent in New Hampshire. Um, Is so. would you play defense in North Carolina if you were Trump? Uh, I don't think at this point I would because I, I I personally have not seen anything that makes me think that Biden will have a big chance. Like I think Biden's going to be the one who's playing the most defense. If you if, assuming defense means you know the swing state team won, um, and I don't, I don't I don't see it's it's so weird, right? I just feel like there's not. It just makes you wonder. Like I've been reading a lot about like just past elections recently, and it just makes you wonder like how the big the big swings ever happened in the first place do you know what i mean yeah because it feels like in a lot of ways that we're so stuck in kind of like with like the 2016 and 2020 map right um like the idea of like you know um uh like the idea that 
I don't know. It's just hard to see basically any states in play that aren't the ones that were also in play uh, in 2020. Unless you considered Florida and Ohio in play then, and then they're probably not in play now. Um, you you know which state I'm going to ask about though, right? <laughs> uh, Utah. No, Texas. Oh, yeah. There there have there are several polls that have shown Texas closer than like Michigan or Nevada, right? Yeah. There's there's uh, there's. I mean, I you know I don't think Trump should if if we're operating this world where you and I are professional campaign consultants for Donald Trump, I don't think he should take North Carolina and Texas like for granted i get how he wants to put his resources into like arizona nevada and michigan as much as possible but i don't know i'd keep an yeah. eye out <laughs> so it didn't go but if you had if i i think i would agree like i wouldn't take those for granted you know north carolina is close enough to georgia you can make that flight pretty easily right um <laughs> or just walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um i i would agree with that um those it's like the biden stretch goals right it's like Possible but unlikely. Um, yeah, I'm curious though if you had to advise him to drop of of the swing states you named. If you had, if you had to say, give up on this one. Let's just let's just sort of focus on these others. We we don't need this one. Like which one would it be? Uh, of the ones I've mentioned, or the ones that he's putting time into? I would say of the ones you've met. Well, he's putting time in like New Jersey. I would yeah, say and and Virginia. It's like I would be like probably give up Virginia. Yeah. Um, of the ones that, if you log into two seventy one right now, are currently blank. <sighs> which are all the ones you named. Um. God, I mean, six months ago, I would have said Michigan, but it, it's hard to ignore kind of the the polling consistency there that has Biden kind of oddly more down, like. Uh, his Biden's polling average in Michigan is like 41.5, which is just in Wisconsin. It's 45 in Pennsylvania. It's 45 in Nevada. It's 45. It's 45 on all these States, um, except Michigan. Mm-hmm. And yet Michigan is a bluer state than all of the rest of these States. Uh, honestly, I think I would say Pennsylvania. I uh, think I- Pennsylvania is where Joe Biden has at least ostensibly a home state advantage. I think Pennsylvania has the suburban areas that are most favorable to uh biden and um it's a bigger state and therefore harder to win more voters in so so just like very close to like biden campaign headquarters <laughs> like i don't know no i i would agree with biden as well I, uh, pennsylvania as well i think there is like a little bit of an advantage there for biden and um there have been like some polls that have shown trump of like not even getting 40 percent there um so uh, yeah, that was gonna be that was gonna be my pick as well. Yeah, um, it's not even like a hard, like he could concede it and still do pretty well. <laughs> like, no, exactly. That, that, that's that's kind of what I mean. Is that it's like, yeah. as long as you get, I think like Michigan and Wisconsin, I think you're pretty good, right? If you're um, let's, let me let me actually test this slide. It's uh, just a a, a, uh, a world in which Trump wins Michigan, but has lost Pennsylvania or Wisconsin is like baffling to me. It just, I get that Michigan has become more conservative faster than those other states, but it is just like so strange given the relative strength of the Democratic Party at the state level in like well, yeah. Michigan. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Especially given the midterms. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. It'd be very weird. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, Obama won Wisconsin in 2012. Um, yeah, but Obama won Michigan by like 7% or something crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Let's let's. Uh, I guess I'll I'll end with this this question before we wrap it up. Let's say Trump doesn't pull it off. He doesn't take our advice. He loses re-election or he loses election in November. Um, and there's no shenanigans. Joe Biden is reinaugurated in 2025. Does Donald Trump go away, or are we going to be having this episode again four years from now? It's funny. I I I don't. I think we are. Like I I I don't see him. And maybe the episode is like uh, earlier. I was gonna say earlier in the year. It'd be very hard to do that considering it's January thirtieth. Um, I 
There will certainly be... If he loses, there will certainly be rumblings. I just don't really see a world... It's just hard for me to conceive of a world where if he is still alive and still eligible to be president, that he does not run. Yeah. Maybe that's just because that's been the world for the past eight years, but I don't know. I do. I just keep having this thought of like, at what point do they realize like, oh yeah, whenever we put this guy up, we really underperform our expectations. So (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's funny because like, so here, like I, so as I was like reading this question, like my my brain went into like extrapolation mode but like this is like how new parties are formed right like the idea that like if he loses again wants to run again and then you have a breakaway portion of the up who's like this is a very bad idea yeah and i'm not saying that like it would be like a significant party um but it feels like because here, here is kind of like my galaxy brain idea for what could happen to the Republicans in the future, right? Is that you have the Trump loyalists who adopt lots of his positions. You have, like, the more traditionalist Republicans who are, like, mostly located in the Northeast, I would say. Um, and then you have this kind of uneasy alliance between, like, the hard right and the center right um in this party it feels like there has to be a a breaking point at some point again i this is completely me just like going off the handle and like (laughs) devising like you know i'm writing fan fiction at this point but it's like um it just feels like Mm, trump fanfic (laughs) but there's just something about this that seems kind of untenable right and maybe again we've been saying that for like the past eight years and whatever but there's just like you know what i mean and and i feel like this happens kind of either way even if he does win like he can't be the head of the republican party forever right <laughs> he will eventually die yeah right but it, it just feels like there's no plan for what happens when he's gone and maybe the idea is that you just kind of like create a bunch of ron DeSantis clones who are more charming in person and you <laughs> hope that they win some elections but it, it's just such a I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point, but um, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going anywhere, even if he does lose. Except possibly jail. That, and maybe in that case, that's, too it's true. He could be in prison. Yeah. Uh, so cheery. So uplifting. But we will what, end. What do you think? <laughs> them, oh, I'm, not, I'm not dumb enough to make a prediction, Mike. What? You no, asked me. That's not fair. No. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll like, I'll, like, I'll, I'll call it all right now. I think on October 17th, Donald Trump will attend a rally and have a heart attack. Joe Biden will swing 30 states. No, I don't know. Uh, I think Donald Trump will lose the 2024 election. Uh, I think there will be some shenanigans, but not probably at the level of uh, 2020 and 2021, knock on wood, uh, just because the incumbent will be someone who's more sane and able to deploy troops if trump supporters storm anywhere um i think joe biden is re-inaugurated on in 2025 i think donald trump continues to be obstinate and frustrating but i think mitch mcconnell leaves the senate i think you lose a lot of people who are very trump skeptical but i also think like the republican base maybe gets like a little tired and they're like you know what we do we are tired of winning (laughs) or losing um and Trump is looking pretty old. I'm not going to... I don't know if he'll be in prison or jail. I won't prognosticate that. But I would be very surprised if Trump was the Republican nominee four elections in a row. I'll put it that way. I think that's like a 4% chance of happening. Yeah. There's that, a that 30% is- chance of that he is president again. I'll put it that way. But... Yeah. yeah. You, you, did, you, you did hit on what I think is actually in some ways like the more interesting question, which is like what happens when Mitch McConnell's done? Because I think that's a, if, if, if I, if I feel like if we read the minds of certain Republicans, like Republican, like people in power, like, yeah, the big question is like, he has been able to put this competent face was become an increasingly unruly, uh, Senate caucus. Yeah. Still a caucus. Yeah. Um, and what, like who, who fills that power vacuum? Is it John Thune doing the best he can? Um, 
or is it like Rick Scott, who's clearly more plot like amenable to a lot of the the Trump wing? Is it something crazy like JD Vance? Like what actually happens? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm but there you go. You you wanted me to prognosticate. That's my that's my best guess. Yeah, I mean you 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 gave a firmer prediction than than I did. Yeah, I mean over. I went for the overkill. You gave an actual election prediction. I mean, do you not want to? <laughs> not this episode's not about. Yeah, we don't even know who the nominees are. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, we don't know how the Dean Phillips versus Nikki Haley election is going to turn out. Come oh my! On. Oh my God. Um, well, we will end with that, everybody. Thank you for listening. It. Uh, it. We will. Um, you know, we'll be back here in another form. We'll have lots to say about the 2024 election. That's for sure. Um, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter. You can find and follow us at The Post Writer. You can email us, contact thepostwriter.com. We love hearing from you. Come chat with us. Tell us how much you care about Donald Trump. Tell us if you think he'll be nominated for five, six elections in a row uh, or suggest some other things for us to unpack. We are a Post Writer podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com. You can check out the stuff we work on, things we've written in our other podcasts over there. And thank you, as always, to Mike for joining. I'll be sure to have Donald Trump write you personally and thank you himself.